guys, welcome back to BYOB. Today I am joined by a very special guest and that is Dr. Allison Nagel. Allison is a program director for Who's Connected and she earned her bachelor's in psychology and PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Virginia, making her a double who. And Allison has been part of the research team that created Who's Connected since its earliest inception and has facilitated the growth of Who's Connected into a course that over 750 students a year can take, which is crazy because when I started facilitating my set, their third year like who's connected wasn't even a credit like for the students it's just like basically a not a club but just like a group yeah it was and like now, extracurricular. yeah now you could take it for a credit it's awesome like we had our um the orientation for who's connected is in like the chem building and seeing how many people were in that room when you were doing the intros like on the first the first class mm -hmm. so crazy so impressive very cool. Um, so definitely take Who's Connected if you are a incoming first year or if you want to facilitate. But Allison also has two very adorable kids named Carter and Anna, who I got the pleasure to meet a few weeks ago at like a little banquet thing. They're adorable. They both have amazing fashion sense. I was like, <laughs> I actually would wear both of these outfits and I want this shirt. <laughs> Guarantee you, Anna picked out her own outfit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh yeah. She is too going on 14. Fashionista. <laughs> That's so cute. And Allison also has a hubby to help raise her two adorable children. She's very intent on um, referring to her husband as a hubby. <laughs> Exposed. <laughs> oh, it just sounds so wrong. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, but welcome, Allison. So excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been a, a longtime listener, first time caller. Yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, yeah, I started the podcast basically when we were in the Who's Connected Facilitating. Mm -hmm. the facilitating, uh, facilitating this oh. feels like a full circle moment. Very, very full circle. Okay. So for people who aren't aware about what Who's Connected is, basically it's, oh my gosh, I did the same thing with Megan. I was like, let me give the blurb. And I'm actually like, you're probably more suited to give the blurb. So do you want to like, just like give a quick overview of like what Who's Connected is and like what the research behind that is? Sure. So Who's Connected takes small groups of students, either first years, second years, or transfer students, um, about eight, but like six to 10 students and puts them into small groups that meet weekly all semester. And each group is led by two co-facilitators, which as you're referring to, um, take this class. So they're well-trained and they kind of guide you through this process uh, that unfolds over the course of the semester. And really at its heart, Who's Connected is a space where people can get to know themselves and get to know others in a way that leads with a little bit of vulnerability over time with the expectation of trust and that it's going to be met with kind of support and um, and acceptance. And that just feels really good. So you hang out together, you laugh together, you get to know one another, but then you get to share parts of yourself. It's all really, really voluntary. Um, it's paced pretty well and pushes people just a little bit, um, but in a way that ultimately feels good and has a great payoff at the end. Mm -hmm. The research behind it basically shows that to have a sense of feeling like you belong, to feel seen, to feel understood and accepted by others is one of the most powerful ways that we as human beings can thrive in the world. 
um, it kind of unlocks our ability to access all kinds of higher level things, success at work, success in school, um, higher quality relationships, uh, uh, feeling less lonely is linked to um, better physical health. Um, even early mortality is associated with loneliness. So really undoing that sense of being alone in the world is so, so, so powerful. And Who's Connected as a program taps into that in a way that is ultimately like really fun <laughs> and is nice. Yeah. Who's Connected is such a great program. And if you guys don't know how much I love Who's Connected, then obviously you're not an avid listener of the podcast <laughs> because this is a Who's Connected stand podcast <laughs> unofficially. I feel like I talk about Who's Connected in every episode, but that's like <laughs> such a great explanation of it. And it really is such a great opportunity to meet people and just like get to see I think it's just really cool to see how people are able to connect and I don't know if that's just because like I'm like a psych major and that stuff is interesting to me obviously hopefully as a career I'm going into um but just like being able to see the way that it just like restores faith in humanity I feel like when I see like my who's connected group like bonding and like yeah. me out outside of the group I'm like wow is this what it feels like to be a parent <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's really cool and like absolutely that sense of pride in watching people be brave enough to like really get to know one another is so real and so fulfilling as a facilitator I totally get it Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like very obvious that you're very passionate about the research behind who's connected. So what made you interested in, you know, pursuing this research topic? Yeah. So I started, um, when I started grad school, this wasn't even like really on my horizon at all. Like this was nowhere in my mind. Um, I knew that I really liked psychology and knew that I really wanted to probably practice. Like I always imagined myself doing a private practice um, or some kind of practitioner based thing. Um, but started in the realm of juvenile justice, knew I really liked adolescence research, um, ended up making my way into Joe's lab when I met with him. And he was like, well, I'm really interested in kind of exploring what the seeds are that create lasting or kind of transformative relational change. Like, what is that? And how do we make that? And how do we make that replicable? And I found that idea so compelling um, because that's really always been a big part of how I viewed the world. Um, in the absence of any personal identification with a formal religion, um, my understanding of what matters has always been the interconnectedness of mm -hmm. everything, right? Like there really is no one <laughs> that is not connected in small and large ways to any other one. I think that means so much to me on so many levels that exploring that in an interpersonal sense has always felt so natural. Like nothing is accomplished in this world without human beings coming together mm -hmm. and deciding to do it, right? That means that we have to work together constantly and we don't always do it successfully, right? But understanding what goes wrong also helps us understand what can go right and how to build on that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it, I think it's just kind of how I'm wired and then the opportunity to really dig into it from this like group level intervention sense uh, came really early on in my grad career, which is just was like perfect timing. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And I think 
what's so interesting is like how you're talking about how everyone is connected. It honestly can like just make you feel less afraid of the world because I feel like a lot of times we feel like we're very small and like insignificant and the world is so big and like we're only one tiny human but like when you really think about it like there's like such an like an impact that you can make like you don't have to you know cure cancer to make an impact like the relationships that you have with different people and like the positive the positivity that you bring into other people's life like is enough of an impact for you to make and so I think it's really awesome to like be able to like see that in a group and to be able to focus on like the group intervention aspect of that and like how we can help each other and how other people like can help us and just like the like learning from each other like kind of um situation that happens in who's connected yeah yeah for this episode um I wanted to talk about just like the transition out of college and like finding connection out of college because that's something that like I personally have been very uh, panicked <laughs> about. Um, and like, if anyone is graduating college, I feel like, you know, you could relate to that on some level of being like, wow, like I may be like, you may be moving to a city like where you don't know anyone. And I felt like that, like, mo- like going into college as well. But then at the same time, like I had like 20 other people from my high school who are going to the same, like going to EVA as well. But like next year I'm moving somewhere where I like don't know anyone really. And so what are some ways or like some advice that you have for like making the transition out of college easier? Yeah. I mean, such a good question. I remember that fear (laughs) so vividly. Um, I, I grew up in Charlottesville. And so when I went to college, it was still a massive transition, but you know, I had similarly like 20 people from my high school going to UVA. I had my parents 20 minutes away. Um, I felt like there were so many safety nets and graduating college felt like somehow stepping off a conveyor belt in a way that felt really scary. Wait, that's a good analogy. Yeah. And and then, and then it's like, well, then what, right? Uh, Before then I felt like I'd had everything at least laid out for me. And there are pros and cons to that, right? I mean, that can feel really stifling and the expectations of that can feel really overwhelming. And then you graduate and it's like, okay, so I, I know I'm supposed to be like on a path. Where do I find that? Mm -hmm. Um, can someone point me in that direction? And so (laughs) (laughs) that panic combined with an absolute overhaul in your social support system can make for some really lonely days. Um, and in, in what to do to make that easier? I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of things. Um, the first thing that sounds like just words, but I think really does mean something is giving yourself genuinely grace, like recognizing that this time of transition will feel really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, that you're not going to have the, the sense of calm and comfort of feeling like you're home mm-hmm. and sitting in that and kind of being okay with that, tolerating that, even leaning into it, being curious about it, um, understanding like what, what is panicking where, like what alarm bells are going off in your head when, and what are those telling you about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a real opportunity to understand yourself in new ways. Um, and that just that little bit of comfort in 
yeah, I am where I'm supposed to be. Like I'm supposed to be stumbling because I just stepped off a conveyor belt. Like nobody just catches themselves and walks like beautifully mm-hmm. on their way. Everybody has this little like hiccup in their step. Um, and there's a little bit of beauty in that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to give yourself grace when you're struggling with something, because I feel like now social comparison is so like prevalent in our lives because of social media. And so now it kind of feels like it's harder to give yourself grace and like be okay with where you're at because you're constantly like comparing yourself to like what other people are doing, what other people's lives are and such. Mm -hmm. And so I think like now we think that, oh, if we're not, you know, at the top of like the social pyramid, or if we aren't like super adjusted to like wherever we are, then that's a failure. And like, that's something wrong with what we're doing and stuff like that. But really just like knowing that it's going to take everyone a different amount of time to adjust to post-grad life and you know it's okay to you know feel very like panicked and lonely at times but also still like rely on like the social support you have in college I think one thing for some reason like thinking about moving I'm just like in my head I'm like everyone I know and love disappeared like if I'm not in Virginia then they're not going to remember me yes but I'm like wait we have amazing like like ways to keep in touch with technology and you know just because you know you move away from your friends doesn't mean that they disappear from your life and they're gone forever like you can still like facetime them text them all of that right and so right like remember that time when none of us could leave our houses or travel for (laughs) years like we've kind of figured this out like we're pretty i literally have covid currently and we are podcasting like we have so many ways to feel connected to people who are far away from us. And I think yeah. that's a really good perspective and not just knowing that they're there, but creating. And I think this, this goes to kind of the next step in my head is like accepting where you're at feels really important. And like, you can't skip that part, but acceptance doesn't necessarily equate to inaction, right? You can accept and feel really like at ease with your discomfort (laughs) at ease with your lack of ease um and also be doing things in a pretty active way that can help a little bit Mm -hmm. um and one of those things is creating routine and that routine can be a really nice blend of the old and new and i think that combination can feel maybe the most helpful like yeah your old friends did not disappear off the face of the earth like you can (laughs) talk to them and having Like, I don't know, you're probably not at this stage in life because you're young, but Mm -hmm. for me, I literally only see my friends because we schedule girls nights. Mm -hmm. Like we have girls nights that we put in the calendar. We a month out, one month out (laughs) and those things, I mean, they are sacred and I have other, and they're in person. And then I have other friends that have, we have scheduled phone dates. And if we don't do that, it just gets too easy to lose track of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of having like part of your routine be that you call so-and-so on your way home from work, you know, every Monday, or, you know, you have a show that you watch together every week, something that feels like you're creating fresh traditions with the people that helped you forge all of your old traditions mm-hmm. um, can just be really comforting. Yeah, definitely. And when you're talking about that, I feel like now I'm trying to like remember the skills I had like coming into my first year of college and being like, how did I keep in touch with my high school friends and stuff? And I did a lot of like what you were saying, like calling people on the way home from class and stuff. And, you know, wherever, if you're going to grad school, 
or like working nine to five or like traveling, um, whatever you like end up doing next year, there's always like that downtime and like that transportation time and like that time, even if it's like 10, 15 minutes a day, just to like be able to talk to someone. I think is really important. Sitting in the discomfort, that's what I wanted to come back to. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that is not talked about enough about like how important that is because I feel like for me personally, whenever I'm feeling anxious or stressed, I just want it to go away immediately. And I'm like, what can I do to make this like emotion like immediately pass? And then I get like frustrated when it doesn't happen. And I'm like, how did I not cure my anxiety in 10 minutes of watching TikToks? Like how is it right. here? Right. And <laughs> it's exactly. so important to be able to like ride that anxiety wave and be like, I know I'm feeling anxious right now, but I felt anxious before and it'll pass. And I just need to let myself just like chill for like however long I need to um, until this feeling like subsides. Exactly. And transition is a process, not a problem. Mm -hmm. You can't solve it. You have to go through it. You have to experience it, Mm -hmm. right? And experiencing a process means almost by definition that parts of it will unfold at different times. Mm -hmm. And that requires a lot of patience with those uncomfortable feelings. Um, I'm so guilty of that as well. Like I say all the time, you know, discomfort's not an emergency, except for when it happens to me, (laughs) right? Like then it is for me. So I totally get it. Like I want to, you know, self-help myself (laughs) into like perfect mental health and, you know, physical health and routine and whatever. And like, that's just not, that's just not the reality. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, being able to, to kind of stay with it (laughs) um, and, and trust the process that, like you probably are making progress, right? Mm-hmm. And each day will be a little different than the day before. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to build back, you know, that think about how long it took you to feel comfortable at college. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you have to do it again, but yeah. are you better for having done it in college? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to like reflect like that. And in like my Peloton classes, they always talk about like in the strength workouts, like when you like work out a muscle, like you're like creating like micro tears that like will are like important to like building like more muscle. I totally butchered that. Um, <laughs> Justin said it better than me, <laughs> but I feel like that's just like something that you could apply to life. Like every hard situation, every like anxiety ha- you have that like you go through these are just like all like micro tears into creating like a more resilient version of yourself. And like thinking back to like my first year, I've been doing a lot of reflecting as a fourth year. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so wise. No. Um, but like thinking back to my first year, I really thought I was like, there's, there's no way that I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to make it out of this because I'm so stressed and I have no friends and I'm so scared. And mm-hmm. then now like being at a point where I'm like, I'm so sad to leave UVA. I'm like, wow. Like there, it wasn't like there was like a pivotal point in like these four years where I was like, I like UVA or like, I don't feel like stressed about like being not away from home anymore. I just like realized like that it takes like over time, like all these like little things that kind of build up and that show you how strong you are. Yeah, absolutely. I love Um, the micro tears metaphor. Yeah. I'm actually so embarrassed. I talked about Peloton. (laughs) (laughs) Cut that out. No one can know. Okay. So like we've been talking about kind of like relying on social support from people, you know, in college and like using technology to keep in touch with people, but what's the importance of connection and like meeting new people when moving to a new place and like having these face-to-face interactions? 
Right. Yeah. Having a routine, you know, and, and doing all that using your old social network. So, so, so helpful, but creating space in that routine for building new connections is also really crucial. So thinking back to the research that really underlies a lot of who's connected is that the power of belongingness as a construct. So, you know, belongingness is the thing that allows us to thrive and that takes time to create. But part of what allows us to have it isn't, you know, at the end of who's connected groups, it's not like all 10 of those people leave soulmates and best friends. (laughs) You know, that's not the point, right? Mm -hmm. The point is that at the end, you've had an experience where you feel seen and understood and liked, Mm -hmm. and you feel that way about other people that you've seen and understood and liked other people. And those might not have been people that when you walked into that room that first day, you would have pegged them as being someone you'd have felt that way about. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is just a really powerful experience because it totally shifts your mindset instead of then walking down the street or walking down ground, you know, cross grounds or whatever, and seeing intimidating strangers who couldn't possibly understand you, or you couldn't possibly like to spend time with, you see possibility where Mm -hmm. you used to see something that felt intimidating or discouraging. Mm -hmm. And that little mindset shift is, I mean, just can open the floodgates of possibility for you finding whatever it will be for you that makes you find home. And so that idea can translate no matter where you are. Um, When you are thinking about meeting new people, you are really starting with loose ties because you can't start with a best friend. Um, I mean, unless you do, which is great, like super cool. If you go to Starbucks day one and find like, <laughs> yeah, <we're> done. <laughs> great. Well, I'll go. Um, but probably not, right? More likely you're going to start with loose ties, loose connections that will feel almost inherently less satisfying than what you're used to. Um, and then you'll have to build in from there. And so if you can think about it that way, it creates value to really anyone you meet. Mm -hmm. You take anyone kind of at face value, meet them where they are, where where they're at, assume they're doing the best they can and see, you know, Hey, I wonder if we're going to be a good fit. Mm -hmm. And if that's your attitude going in, almost any person you meet is going to be a helpful um, addition to building this loose network. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I love how you said, like, look at people like they're like it's a they're a possibility instead of like looking at them like they're strangers. Because I feel like it's so easy to, you know, walk by people, especially like on grounds, like walk by other you know, students and be like, oh, like they like wouldn't want to be friends with me because of like XYZ or like you we just like automatically like write people off, like even though we don't know anything about them. And I feel like it's so important to like especially like transitioning to a place where you don't know anyone, like go into social situations, just being open to whatever relationship that you could have with like the people that you're meeting, you mm-hmm. know, and like not thinking of it as a failure. If you don't like become besties with everyone that you meet, like in your first few months, like living in the city, oh. like again, like thinking back to starting college, like thinking of like all the people who like I was like meeting and stuff my first year And they had such a wonderful impact in my life because I'm like, oh, I can connect with people here. But at the same time, it's not like I kept in touch with the majority of them. Like I follow them on Instagram, but it's not (laughs) like we're like having these heart to hearts and stuff every week. But, you know, they still like served a purpose in like my journey to like 
making like the really close friends and stuff that I have now. And so you talked about like having like how like friendships start off and they could be like surface level and stuff like that, but like really working to like dive deeper into those relationships. So what are some tips you have for creating deeper friendships with new people? Mm, Yeah. So my entire advice boils down to someone has to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I think that's, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, Wait, why do I want a shirt that says that? It's like the kind of merch, like we're not really strangers with make or something. Like we should pitch this to them. (laughs) It's connected merch. I'm wearing the shirt, but we could really expand on this, I think. (laughs) But I mean, if you think about any relationship, any relationship, romantic, platonic, familial, like any relationship that has started one place and ended somewhere deeper, someone has had to go first. And sometimes that happens in such small ways, it's almost hard to notice because there's there's this sense of mutuality, right? Where it's just like, you go, I go, you go, I go, you go, I go. Oh, and now we're down here. And like, that feels really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And other times it takes someone being pretty consciously courageous in choosing to be the one to go first. And so either way, that's going to be true. So, you know, if you think about what creates depth in connections and in relationships. It's trust, right? Trust is built by people sharing increasingly vulnerable personal things and having that vulnerability be met with support and acceptance and understanding. Mm -hmm. That's really the process. That's the cycle that creates trust within a relationship. And so who's going to be that first person to be just a little bit vulnerable to create space for the other person to meet them there and then create that trust that will encourage more and more and increasingly deeper vulnerable shares. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that relates like so closely to what I talked about with Dr. Jesse last episode about secure attachments and like finding people to like form secure attachments in like in friendships and stuff. And, you know, vulnerability is so hard and so scary to do. But like, sometimes I think of it as like, what's like the worst that can happen? Like they, usually people won't be, won't like go around and like tell like a bunch of people, like what you told them, I guess that would be like the worst case scenario. But like, you know, like in my head, like the realistic worst case scenario is someone's just like, oh, like, sorry. Or like, like they just like don't know like how to, you know, process it. And I feel like that's still like an opportunity for like, growth and like diving more into that or also just like I don't know like finding different relationships where you feel comfortable like being being vulnerable and like you see that like being reciprocated to you yeah vulnerability with another person absolutely and you know remember that vulnerability and self-disclosure are not synonyms like Mm -hmm. self-disclosure is part of vulnerability self-disclosure is an aspect of vulnerability But vulnerability really means showing up as your authentic self, like letting yourself be truly who you are. And that can mean all kinds of things, your sense of humor, your habits, your tendencies, like the little idiosyncrasies that make you who you are. Um, It's not just your secrets, right? And that I think can also be really helpful because the more you, you are in a relationship and if that is indeed, you know, met with someone kind of staying and enjoying it and like delighting in that with you, 
God, that feels so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you do that to them back, you've made a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And that's like a really good idea to point out that that vulnerability doesn't mean like going around telling everyone like your deepest, darkest secrets (laughs) that you went through. Like one thing that like, I remember like when you were talking about that is in my past use connected group, there was a kid in the group who has like a very niche, like interest in games or like he has a very niche. I forget what it's called. It's kind of like Pokemon, but it's with cats. And so it's like a very Mm -hmm. niche game. And like, he like, just like brought that up and like started talking about that once. And then like, from like, like at the end of the group, he like talked about how like no one really like understands like that game, but it meant so much to him that we were interested in learning about that. And I feel like that's like, that's vulnerability, like opening up about, you know, something that's important to you that other people might not understand. And then like, once you get the, you know, like good feedback from it, of people like being curious instead of judgmental, like, I feel like then that's definitely a way to you know, like create like deeper relationships. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or like, this is authentically how I feel about this thing or my take on this show or my, you know, mm-hmm. it can be, it can be all, all kinds of pieces of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and being vulnerable just means sharing them mm-hmm. honestly. Right. Yeah. And that, that always does take courage. Like, I love that example. And I remember that because it melted my heart then and just did right just now. Also. <laughs> melted um because it's so sweet and and yeah like the fact that you know that he shared that part of himself and that that was seen um and it doesn't even need to be the same right it's not that everyone in the group was like oh my gosh I also secretly am into this yeah. Pokemon thing that I don't even yeah, we can right? like it. no everyone was like oh okay good for you like tell us more about it right yeah so it's curiosity it's not sameness right it's not you're not just looking for someone who's going to be just like you it's that shared experience of like all these human feelings um that's the part that's the same how that plays out is going to look so different for all of us yeah definitely thinking back I feel like my most my first like very vulnerable moment was when I posted on the Facebook group like my little like housing blurb and I was like I think Parks and Rec is better than the office and as soon as I posted it I was like oh my gosh what if this causes like an uproar what if I'm like (laughs) what if I'm bullied and stuff for this opinion but Uh it's like crazy because something like that like it was like so stupid, but I was like worried about it. But then like oh, the yeah. amount of people who are like, oh my gosh, like I totally agree with you. And I was like, I'm not alone. I was like, that's it. I'm going to love college. <laughs> <laughs> so it really can be just like oh, such God. like small things or like things yeah. that you think are small, but really like can lead to like stronger relationships and right. it like eventually leads to more depth of friendships. Right, right. Um, So I put a like little Instagram sticker question thing on um, my Instagram story. I think it was last week. I felt like a real influencer doing it, but I was just like asking like what questions people had Mm -hmm. um, about, you know, the transition out of college. And so many people responded with the one question of how do you make friends outside of work? And so I was like, forget literally every other question. We're just going to go with this. We're just going to talk about this one. This is a heavy hitter. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think that that is such a good question because that is kind of people's fear is right. Like they'll, 
they'll go to work and that's their, that's their next conveyor belt. Like I got a job. So now I know that I go here and I work these hours and I could be this person at work, but what about all the hours outside of work? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think one thing you can do is to start with friends at work. Mm -hmm. If you have friends at work, you know, again, thinking about kind of starting with loose ties and working your way in, your friends from work may not be your best friends, or maybe there are boundaries that you want to hold. And that's totally fine. And it depends on so many factors about you and your workplace and the people you're with, you know, all of those things, Mm -hmm. but they may know lots of other people. Right. And so thinking about, um, your work friends as like an offshoot of just access to knowing more people, knowing more places to go, knowing more about your new city if you're moving, mm-hmm. um, can feel like a good, give yourself permission to do that because it can, it doesn't mean that you are locking yourself into relationships that have to be static with these people in a certain way. Mm-hmm. If you go into it with some fluidity and open-mindedness, you're just going to start feeling more comfortable because they'll feel more comfortable because they've already been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've already been there. Yeah, definitely. That goes back to like seeing everyone as like a possibility for like a new relationship. Exactly. And, like not, you know, feeling like you have to put like all of your like eggs into one basket. Like you never know who you're going to meet through people. Right. Um, and I feel like I've met so many like friends, like of friends, and I feel like, I feel like that's the best. Like when you meet someone and you're like, oh my gosh, like we click so well. And like, I would have never met you if I didn't like go to this random like dinner with this person, like on this day. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And right. Cause everybody you meet has their own like loose ties and close connections. And I started, so when I transitioned out of college, I never really left UVA. That sounds weird, but I did end up staying at UVA. <laughs> So, so all of my transitions have been staying in the same physical space with everything else changing around me, um, which has been really isolating at times because it's felt like everyone's moved forward except me, right? Like I'm staying in the same place. And so I had that feeling when I graduated college, I stayed at UVA because I was a PC in a lab, um, which was like a great job for me. And I loved what I was doing and I liked my lab members, but um, everyone in the lab was a graduate student and I was you know, 22 and I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Can you relate? Like, can you, you just, I don't know. Like, who am I? I'm just like showing up every day, like trying to blah, 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 research. And they all seemed like way above me and so much more advanced. And I was, you know, just, a little bit intimidated by them, whatever, but they're really my only friends. So I hung out with them as much as I could, but I, I ended up and this leads into the next thing that I'd recommend, but I ended up being kind of open about wanting to make friends. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have a lot of, I'm going to call it pride. And then I'm going to think about a more flattering word. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like pretty forthright about being like, Hey, if you know anyone, else who's like new to town, or if you know anyone else who is in this transition phase that I'm in, I'd love to meet some more people. And word got around through my boss, who was a 70 year old man (laughs) and her, my new friend's boss, who was, you know, a professor, uh, in the psych department. And we were both new PCs and they legit set us up on a friend date. 
That is amazing. I kid you not a friend date. Like we like emailed and I remember I married my high school boyfriend. So like, I don't have a very exciting dating history. (laughs) Actually just stated it in its entirety. Um, So I remember emailing her like, oh, tummy full of butterflies. Like, oh my God, I wonder if she's going to say yes. And we met at Panera for lunch. And I went, I like went down to the basement where she worked to pick her up from Gilmer Hall. Mm -hmm. And she tells the story from her perspective of hearing my high heels click down the hallway. (laughs) And Gilmer's not like a super high heel world like there's well, not a Gilmer lot is terrifying I'm like is this terrifying. an American horror story what is this yeah absolutely there were it was haunted for sure and you know it just wasn't like not very many people were really into fashion and so like I was clickety clacking my way down the hall and she just and she's really into fashion and here's me and she goes oh my god <laughs> I found a friend and we went out to lunch skipped the rest of our work day, went out for drinks and then hung out all night and we're in each other's weddings. I'm her first child's godmother and she remains one of my closest friends. And it's just, none of that would have happened. And then through her, I met a bunch of other friends and vice versa. You know, none of that would have happened if I had pretended like I'd had it all together. Yeah. I love that story. Oh my gosh. That's well, first of all, that's so reassuring to hear because next year I'm, I'm also going to be working with like a bunch of grad students and people who are much older than me. And so I was like, how am I going to make friends like there? I'm going to be the youngest one there by like a lot. Um, So I just need to get set up on a friend date. I'm going to go in my first day of work and be like, all right, guys, everyone sit down. This is me. I'll create like a friend date, like dating app profile for myself and just like send it to your contacts. (laughs) like this is how how young people make friends nowadays <laughs> um but also like just the fact that that was such like a serendipitous way of meeting I don't know if I use that word correctly I've always wanted to use that word and I it felt like the right time to oh say. right in my heart <laughs> <laughs> okay so as long as it felt good to us um like that's such like a fun like way like it's like a meet cute of like meeting a friend and like that's what makes life interesting like you know, if we just had the same like four friends like throughout in our entire life and didn't meet anyone else, like life would probably still be good, but also like it wouldn't be like as exciting and as like fresh as like life is when you meet someone through your boss's friends. Yeah. So yeah. no, I mean absolutely. And like the other people that I spent time with at work during those years were so valuable and so important in my life during that time. And I still, you know, keep in touch through like Facebook and professional links and and whatever. And so not, you know, not everyone in this season of your life needs to be your best friend. Who's going to be in your wedding or whatever, if you choose to get married. But I think the, the, you know, putting yourself out there, like being going first, um, to say like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking for people and, and not just at work. Like also if we go back to one of the things we talked about before, which is building your routine, at the end of the day, most human beings live within like a, you know, 10 mile radius, just wherever they are in the world. Mm-hmm. And if they move to a new part of the world, they find their new 10 mile radius, <laughs> you know, and they'll anywhere you move, you 10 miles, right? Maybe 20 if it's rural. Mm-hmm. And within that you have, you know, whatever it is for you. But for me, it would be like my coffee shop, you know, that I go to my grocery store, my CVS, <laughs> you know, my, my stuff, like my things that are part of my routine that help me be a human. 
every time I go to that store, that coffee shop, whatever, I'm going to meet people. And a lot of those people, it's their CVS too, and it's their coffee shop too, or they work there or whatever. And so remembering that like familiar faces can become friendly faces that can become friends also really helps. Like, you know, tell the barista you like her hair, like ask her where her favorite dinner spot is. Yeah. And then chill out and then go back the next day. (laughs) Are we best friends now? (laughs) Has it happened? Has it happened? Do you feel the connection that I feel? (laughs) There's this research that full disclosure, I first heard about in a TikTok by a therapist, but then I looked it up and it's legit, which is tracking the number of hours that it takes to create a friend. Mm -hmm. And it takes 30 hours to be casual friends, 30 hours to be casual friends with someone 50 hours to be friends without qualifiers. So not my work friend, my, you know, church friend, my whatever friend, just friends. This is my friend. So-and-so 50 hours, 140 hours for good friends. It's my good friend. So-and-so and 300 hours for best friends. Wow. Dang. So you got to get a lot of coffee, right? Like you, yeah. <laughs> you have to, you have to think about investing in people because it does take time. And we know from who's connected that there are ways to fast track that sense of connection. Mm -hmm. Um, but also we do need to be patient with the process. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Oh my gosh. When you were saying that, I was like, kind of like mentally like telling up how many hours I spent with each friend. And I'm like, are you a good friend or a best friend? (laughs) How many hours that we spent together? But I love the idea of like making connections like through your routine and like I think that just goes back to like what you're talking about about how like interconnected we all are and this is totally off topic but it reminds me of like also a TikTok that I watched of someone being like the best way to meet your significant other is at like a grocery store or something like in your routine because if you see someone often doing the same thing then it probably means they have like a similar schedule or routine as you do and so I'm like that's all I need to hear. And every time I go to Harris Teeter, Trader Joe's, I'm like dressed to the nines and I'm like, who's going to fit into my routine? Ready. Routine? Ready. Who's, oh who's on this wavelength? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. That's wonderful advice. And my last question is tying it all back to who's connected. What are some ways that who's connected group can be replicated in the real world? Because me personally, I would love if I could have a who's connected group next year and I mean, it is a life goal for me. I, my, one of, one of my goals is to create who's connected for recently relocated adults. So it's amazing. I'm going to work on it. Give me like five years. Okay. So it won't help you at all. Um, (laughs) I'll be moving in a new place. We'll see where I'll be. (laughs) Um, no, but I think, you know, I think what's cool is that flip that a little bit, right? Like we created who's connected because we studied and reflected on real life groups in the real world that forged meaningful connection in a short period of time. That's where we started. And a lot of the research that we did was kind of dissecting that and looking at like, what are the, what are the key ingredients? What's like replicable here and how do we put it together in a way that feels good. But because it came from the real world first, you can kind of back translate it similarly. So what pieces really matter and what can you kind of do the first we've talked about some of these but the first is kind of like meeting people where they are right like giving people um really the 
benefit of the doubt is I guess the easiest way to say it, but just assuming that people are doing the best they can with what they got all the time, always. And it doesn't mean you can't have boundaries or expectations. It just means that you assume that other people are doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. Just that is going to create grace and space for second chances. And everybody needs that. So if you can start there, that always helps. Mm -hmm. The next thing is being genuinely interested (laughs) in what you're talking about with someone, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure sounds a little trite, but honestly, how often do we end up in conversations where you're just talking about something to talk about it and you lose track of what you actually care about learning about that other person. Mm. Um, if you can tap back into whatever your natural curiosity is about others and have conversations somewhere in that space, you know, whether it be really kind of light or pretty deep, um, that's going to be more rewarding because you're going to really listen. Mm. Um, and when somebody talks, really listen, um, Go first, right? So being vulnerable first definitely helps. Nothing crazy, but just like a little bit of sharing of who you really are can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Laughing together. Um, laughter is so, so important in building relationships. It just cannot be undervalued. Having the opportunity to laugh together. There's, you know, all this talk about how, you know, women share uh, emotions and then share experiences to bond. Sure. But really that's just different ways of creating opportunities for laughter. Mm. It just, it just means something a little different to different people, but either way, that's really what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last one is just like really being patient with the process and like giving yourselves opportunities to go at whatever pace feels right for both of you and pushing a little bit, right? Like a little bit out of your comfort zone Gabby was telling me about this really cool game. So she recommended, where should we begin? A series, a game of stories. Oh my gosh. Wait, if that's anything, we're not really strangers, then let me write that down. Yeah. Where should we begin? Where should we begin a game of stories? But I think, you know, the fact that you had one right off the top of your head, and I have tried to remember this one, Gabby said, like, there are, you know, there are kind of structured things that can create a little bit of just something to lean on so that when you're trying to forge these deeper connections, assuming everyone's a willing participant, everything's always, always voluntary, like, yeah, share. And, and you can have these games and, you know, do it with a bottle of wine or whatever works for you and, and hang out and really get to know people on a deeper level. Yeah, definitely. I love that. And I love the idea of like using games to like get to know people deeper because anyone who's played, we're not really strangers. Like you get deep like so quickly and it's like such a fun experience like when both people are like really into the game and like both like really um intentional in answering and I think another thing that you mentioned about like giving other people grace is so important because I feel like a lot of times like with transition it can be easy to like compare the people you're meeting to like your friends from home or your friends from college Mm -hmm. and stuff but like you know like recognizing that this like person isn't going to fit the mold of your friend from college because they're a different person and you know they've had like different experiences and stuff like that and so again like what you're saying like just be open to like any relationship that may come your way um and just seeing it as a possibility and just having patience with the process yeah yeah all right thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me this is so much fun oh my god (laughs) 
I'm like surprised like, that you're so, you're still so eloquent when you're sick. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. Because I feel like I got so dumb with COVID. Earlier, <laughs> I put my hand under the water to get water from the, oh my God. <laughs> well, there it went out of my refrigerator. And instead of my water bottle, it was just my hand. <laughs> and I just got a wet hand. And that was not hydrating. So, you know, we're all, we're doing our best. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can just like, I'm like painting a mental image of that. It's not my finest moment. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your work with Who's Connected. Thank Such you a wonderful your work with Who's Connected. <laughs> Again, <laughs> Who's Connected Stand Podcast. That's what we are. That's our rebranding. <laughs> BYOB's rebrand. Yeah, I'll work on the merch. <laughs> Someone has to go first. <laughs> if you guys are still listening, thank you. And remember to BYOB next week. Bye.